0: Welcome to another post-game live edition of the It's Cavalier podcast. As always, it's your boy, Mac. (laughs) Joining me today is absolutely nobody. Corey's taking the night off, and we have zero guests. That said, I am still here. I'm still ready to talk some Cavaliers basketball. Uh, As you all know, the Cavaliers are now coming off a 117-105 to loss to the Miami Heat. Tough game. No way around it. I mean, when you're when you're sitting here looking at the box score in general, a couple of things stick out to you in general. First off, let's just talk about Darius Garland's game. I mean, that's that's number one. Twenty four points on the night. That that's okay, but when you look at the context of how those points were scored, that is where things get a little bit more uh, dicey. I mean, 4 of 17 from the field, 1 of 6 from 3. The kicker here, which I believe Darius Garland set a career high tonight, and he was 15 of 16 from the free throw line. So that's that's a, a positive aspect tonight. If you want to take anything away from Darius Garland's game from tonight, positive, it's that he did get to the line. And I know a lot of people, there's been a lot made of How Darius Garland does not invite contact, he doesn't look at contact, I get that. You know, the 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 statistics there do not lie. He has had very many games this season in which he's put up high point totals and had very minuscule free throw attempts. Tonight was not the same. Tonight he went to the line and he shot 15 of 16. But the bad thing about that is, again, 4 of 17 from the field. Far too often, it seemed as if Darius Garland just forced the issue. Like seriously, dude, just force the issue tonight, as can be evidenced by seven turnovers on the night. It just—he—he he looked out of sync. He looked like he was forcing it, and the Miami Heat defense honestly paid him perfectly. They played him perfectly. I—I I honestly do not know if they could have done anything else. To really shut him down Just because It was perfect offense I mean, mean, perfect defense On what DG likes to do And the Cavs are already down Jared Allen So that limits a lot of the Lop opportunities That you would see out of that I do not believe we saw Really any Any at all of Moses Brown and new uh, Cleveland Cavalier addition And Evan Mobley Is just So darn uh, How do I put this nicely (laughs) Uh, he is doing so many other things. I feel like his his game it just doesn't from the center position it doesn't look the same as what Jared Allen would provide and that's not necessarily a bad thing because the two are marginally different types of bigs. Evan Mobley and I want that. I want you guys to lay that thing in. Evan Mobley is a much more finesse. Big if he ever truly gets to slot into the center position long term, it's not going to be the same style of play that Jared Allen brings on a night-to-night basis. It's very, very different style of play. You get a lot more facilitation, I feel like you can get him more looks from the high post, from the elbow. You can do a lot more in that regard with him. But the flow in regards to the offense is, is also different between the two. Jared Allen is a lob threat. Jared Allen is when he's in the post, he can back you down. He can legitimately put his size on you. Evan Mobley's not quite there yet, but he's learning how. And these really two and a half games that Evan Mobley has really come out in Jared Allen's absence since the injury, you know, the finger that may or may not require surgery for Jared in the contusion, Evan Mobley has played respectable basketball. Yeah, I don't I don't get it, Dr. Claw. I mean they he does seem to avoid or not he, the team does seem to avoid the high post. I, I don't get that because that's an aspect of Evan Mobley's game. We've seen that he can do that. I, I also think you have to have guys who can who knock down shots and we've seen that the Cavs do from Time to time, you have guys out there that can get hot at any point in time. You've seen Jetty Osmond do that. You've seen Kevin Love on occasion, who seems to play pretty well against Miami. That's a good thing. Uh, but without, with a significant lack of shot creators on the team, you're just, you're asking a lot of Evan Mobley, who's already having to move up a position in my, uh, in, in, in my perception of it. Just because, you know, before Mobley was drafted, I kind of felt like, yeah, you you could slot him at center, but his more natural position to me is power forward. I think that's how it should be. He's just kind of filling in for Jared right now. And it's just a completely different look. It seems it's also affected the way that DG's playing too. Um, he, he's trying to shoulder a lot more of the offensive load. And honestly, I cannot wait until Karis LeVert gets back out there. I mean – for for people who think that Karis Levert is not needed right now, I don't know how you can watch that game, tonight's game in particular, and think that the guy could not add something of value. You know, I mean, we've already talked about how much Colin Sexton can help when he gets back. Uh, you know, whether or not you think he could, he should start or not, the dude is a flat out scorer. He's a flat out baller, and he could add so much to this team. Ditto for Levert. I mean, you acquired Levert for. Ricky Rubio's contract and some draft compensation. That was entirely worth it, no matter the injury concerns with them. And I had preached that, me along with Corey. We both talked about how you know, as long as said acquisition for LeVert did not cost the team any core players or serious like first-round picks, like serious draft compensation, it was okay. And you know what? I honestly cannot wait until this guy suits up because they can use every bit of his production. It was good to see Rondo back out there for the, I believe, the second straight game. Uh, that's something that honestly I'm not sure because you're starting to see people clamor about Brandon Goodwin should possibly be getting some more minutes over Rondo at this point in time. I get that. But at this point in time, you know, until until Goodwin is signed to a uh end of season deal until he's brought up really and not on that two A anymore. He's not going to be able to play in the postseason, if I'm not mistaken. So I get giving Rondo those minutes just to kind of get him acclimated because we have to remember he has not been here for a long period of time himself. So there are still some certain things he's, you know, having to work through uh, and not necessarily in regards to the injury you're, you're just within the flow of the offense. He has to get, in his groove again and he had a couple of good games there to start out when he first arrived in Cleveland but he just hasn't had a level of consistency a level of being out there on the floor long enough for me to feel comfortable with him like seriously providing something positive so I I honestly get that get both sides of that and Brandon Goodwin to me has been a a, a good surprise this season. He's been something that I feel like the Cavs, they continue to find and unearth these gems. And I maybe maybe I'm stretching that a bit. Maybe you don't think Brandon Goodwin is a gym, but I certainly think he could have added a bit more from an offensive standpoint than uh, Rajon Rondo did tonight. And you look at some of these other guys. Uh, Lowry Um, he's always, to me, going to be a bit of a wild card, especially on the offensive thing, just because we know the elements of spacing that he can provide. We know that that threat out there helps kind of make up for the fact that Isaac Okoro in, uh, in, in the starting lineup, when healthy Jared Allen, he can cover up for a lot of those spacing deficiencies. And we know Evan Mobley can hit that perimeter shot. I posted a highlight on that uh, a couple of games ago, him stepping out and uh, dropping a three on somebody's head. That was nice, but it's not a consistent enough part of his game to truly for defenses to like to fear it. And so the same can be said about Larry Markett right now, uh, in, in certain regards. Like prior to this season, Larry Markett is a very good shooter from three-point range. Um, but consistency, I believe, is his biggest enemy, especially this year. You know, he's we we know he's dealt with some injury concerns, we know that he's had some issues uh staying out on the court we know he went through COVID protocols so I say all this to say that Lowry Markkinen is really going to be an x-factor going down the stretch they cannot continue to expect Darius Garland to shoulder such a high offensive load I mean this guy is he 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 looked visibly exhausted out there like I don't know how else to put that. He really seemed exhausted, and I think that, <laughs> yeah, he did. He did do that. I mean, there's some, there's some nice moments from Lauer. He does, he does do a lot of things. A lot of, he does provide a lot of intangibles. But my problem with him is the just the consistency, um, and really, that's kind of everybody outside of Evan Mobley and uh and Darius Garland at this point in time you really don't know what you're going to get from an offensive standpoint from Isaac Okoro it's nice tonight that he was able to provide uh what he provided and I, I believe that was somewhere along the lines of nine points but it's just not enough for your starting two guard I mean and so that's that's kind of where you get into you, you kind of understand people saying well when when Karis LeVert gets back out there he should be starting immediately yeah uh, that's where. That's exactly where I was getting to, Doctor Claw. I I believe that Caris is probably going to be inserted into that starting lineup just because you need some type of boost. You need somebody to take the load off of Darius's back. It's it's getting scary to be honest. And I maybe I'm overhyping this a bit, but I just don't want the guy to break down. I mean, we've we've gone through too many periods of time this season in which Darius Garland is is like a willie won't he you know, playing because they're trying to rest him, keep him fresh down the stretch. And I get that. And I think that's what they're doing with Karis right now. Um, by no means do I want anybody to overreact, and, and I'm not overreacting myself. I get the cautious optimism surrounding what the team is probably trying to do with Karis Levert. I just I just cannot wait until he gets back out there. They they need him. They need what he's able to provide who knows if we're going to be able to get Jared Allen back out there that is that's a big time loss um that's 16 17 points of offense a night that you are missing especially in that post i mean you saw tonight bam Adebayo absolutely destroyed the Cav, uh, the cavs down in the post i mean i mean just just look at his statistics right here. 30 points 17 rebounds you you don't have that production that you would normally get from Jared Allen, who'd be another big body out there that would be able to somewhat contend with Bam Adebayo. I mean, you're not going to stop the guy because he's a baller. I mean, there's no way around that. And then you look around at some of the other guys they have out there, Tyler Hero, who is rumored to be uh, going to be getting a max extension soon. We'll see. Who knows if that'll happen, but that could set a uh, a dangerous precedent <laughs> for guys coming off the bench. Um, you know, you can take that for what you will, and I do think uh, uh, Tyler Harrell is a very good player. I just don't know about the max. We'll see. We'll see. He's a, he's a good player, but he balled out tonight. I cannot lie. He shot the lights out. Uh, Twenty two points, eight of fifteen from the field, two of four from three. That's just one of those things on a night to night basis you can expect. And here's the thing: like for me, this is why I do not understand why people get so hung up. On starting versus coming off the bench, I've said this numerous times. I've been very clear about this. Starting to me is becoming more and more nominal. Like Tyler Harrell off the bench played thirty-four minutes tonight. That's starters' minutes, right? I mean, yes, that's a that's a uh, rhetorical question. That's it's starters' minutes, and so. You know, when you have a guy like Kara or a guy like Colin Sexton or Isaac Okoro to a latter extent, you can find ways to get them minutes when, when all are healthy. And so, you know, when you're talking in terms of like contract values and things like that, even in regards to Sexton, starting just doesn't seem to matter. Yeah, you're going to see that. You're probably going to see that with Colin Sexton next season. And I don't care whether or not he starts or he comes off the bench, as long as the Cavs keep him in wine and gold, keep him in Cleveland long-term. I mean, just find a contract that works for both sides, and I'm okay. And part of the reason why I'm such a big proponent of not handing out like serious max money to him is because you have to plan for the likely uh, max extensions of Darius Garland, who – you know, if he stays on this trajectory, he's probably going to earn that. You have to plan for whatever Evan Mobley is going to be handed out later on down the line. You don't know what the team is going to do with Isaac Okoro. You already have Jared Allen on the books. You still have Kevin Love on the books. You still have Karis LeVert for next season on the books. You have a lot of money tied to these players. So it it would behoove the team to figure it out. So, you know, tonight is just one of those games that you can see uh, an apparent need for a score the likes of Sexton or LeVert. You just you need it. You, you cannot get into a firefight with a team like Miami Heat. They have too many guys who can knock down the three ball from Harrow uh, to ben, even Bam Adebayo. He can step out there. He didn't hit any tonight. But you have too many guys out there who can provide spacing for the Cavs to keep up. And we've seen that. We've seen the Cavs try and get in firefights with guys. It just does not work out in their favor. It's just one of those things. So what are some positives tonight? For me, one, you get another game of tape on what Evan Mobley can bring to the table from the center spot. I talked about that a little bit earlier. But to me, I mean, he's grown into it. That's not me saying, hey, let's trade Jared Allen because the Cavs are far in a way it would be just, it would be one of the stupidest decisions they ever made if they decided to do that. But... It was nice to see Evan Mobley go out there and, and have a mindset in which he was going to be physical out there. You saw that when he went out there on the boards. Evan Mobley, pretty good game tonight. 19 points, 12 rebounds, four assists. He did a lot of these little things that, uh, that he wasn't necessarily doing earlier on in this season. I see a lot, of, a, a lot of growth from him, a big time level of growth from him. So get another game of, just production from the center spot from Evan Mobley. I'm liking to see his growth and development from there, depending upon, you know, what kind of rotations JB likes to use moving forward. Gonna be highly dependent upon how Mobley incorporates himself from that spot. And so uh, JB rolled out the same rotation he's rolled out for the last two. Darius Garland, Evan Mobley, Larry and Isaac Coral, and Dean Wade. Yeah. I mean, after the Cavs, Dr. Claw, after the Cavs went on that, I think it was 25-12 run to close out the second quarter. I really honestly felt like they were getting back on track. I felt like they were going to be able to get Mobley more touches. Uh, I felt like the shots were eventually going to start hitting for DG because up, up to the second half, he was too eight from the field. Into the night, uh, 4 of 17. So not a lot changed, but... They had they had good looks early on, especially down the the later stretches of the second quarter. They just weren't falling, and the same kind of trend happened in the third. You saw that they were getting some good looks earlier on in the third. They just couldn't convert on them. And then there's a time eventually when your opposition, no matter who it is, it could be the Miami Heat, it could be the uh, the Indiana Pacers, it could be anybody. It could be one of the worst teams in the league, and eventually they will make you pay for not. Converting on those good looks, they will come back to haunt you. And that's exactly what happened. The Cavs went on a few good runs tonight. Um, I honestly felt um, heading into the second half that they had a good opportunity on their hands to steal a win, although they were playing up to their best capabilities. But unfortunately, it just did not turn out that way. Um, and this is why I say, you know, I'm I'm not seriously upset about tonight's loss because when you look at the standings i mean miami heat they are the number one seed in the east for a reason 40 45 46 wins now and, and and tonight's loss drops cleveland to 38 and 28 if i'm not mistaken but for me for me the biggest thing for cleveland right now is to just stay ahead of toronto if cleveland can stay ahead of toronto We're all good. It's smooth sailing into the postseason. And make no mistake, yes, it does suck to lose each and every one of these games that the Cavs have managed to lose. But that's the positive. The Cavs, if they can just hold it together, if they can just bandage this, duct tape it, I don't care, whatever the hell they have to do, as long as they can string together some timely wins down the stretch. And what remains of the schedule, I believe, is like something like – uh 16, 17 games. If they can just stay ahead of the Toronto Raptors, it'll be okay. Eventually you're gonna get uh Karis Levert back in the lineup. That will be a big boost to the offense. I'm hoping that since the injury to Jared uh to, to Jared Allen was on his non shooting hand, that you'll eventually see him back in the lineup um come the postseason. That's again gonna be another boost. Um but all they have to do is just hold it together until the playoffs, which I think is certainly possible. Although they're, they're getting ready to face a brutal stretch of games here. I mean, you're looking at uh, Chicago, which is coming up tomorrow. That is not going to be a cakewalk at all. They're 40-26 and 26 for a reason. And though they've kind of slumped a bit lately, they are a very good team and they've played the Cavs very well this season. You got the, the Clippers. You got the Sixers, who we know give the Caps fits. And the last time we played them, we knew that uh, Joel Embiid beat us down and we got whatever he wanted uh, to the tune of many free throws. This time around, they're going to have James Harden likely. So it's going to be even tougher. You got Denver coming up. You got Detroit, which, you know, that's Kate Cunningham is playing out of his mind right now. The Lakers, which ironically, <laughs> I believe is a winnable game for Cleveland. And I feel like a decisive matchup for this team could be that Toronto game on the 24th. Now, <laughs> there's just there's so much here to take away, in, in in terms of just game to game and overall season. I talked about this uh, a lot on the last on the actual episode that we uh, the last episode we did with Corey. It's all about perception. Now you can choose to view this game as like a fucking bummer. You can look at it as uh, you know just a a flat out ugly loss that the Cavs took, and that's perfectly fine. That's your perception. That, that that if that's how you perceive it, that's fine. There's no problem with that because tonight was brutal. But in the greater scheme of things, it's not the end of the world. I mean, the Cavs are still in play off territory, not play in territory. And games like tonight could serve as a swift kick in the ass. I mean, you you have to have other guys step up. It cannot just be DG. It cannot just be Evan Mobley. You have to get help. <laughs> the Horn of Slavs was worse than this. Yeah. So, I mean, anytime you lose to the number one seed in the East, at least you can take solace in that. Like Cleveland was never supposed to be here in the first place. And that's when you look at like the – macro look instead of the micro look long term cleveland was never truly expected to be here now and one of the biggest things that we've talked about game in and game out is that expectations have changed like tremendously and they've fluctuated i mean literally they're they're like a wave they have fluctuated so much this season due to whether it be injury COVID protocols development growth all of these things factor into the fluidity of expectations and so with the team never truly being expected to be a top 6 seed in the east around this time and playing meaningful basketball in the month of march it's all gravy to me like i know a lot of you may think that i'm just like overly positive and i get that i do <laughs> maybe sometimes i push a little bit of buttons but it's all it honestly is, is all in good faith of this team because Cleveland has overcome a large quantity of issues this season, whether it be for all of those facts I stated just a moment ago. They have really honestly made me proud. I feel like, um, you know, the development is not going to stop from here when you sprinkle in guys like Sexton and LaVert. Uh, If you're able to make a couple of acquisitions in the offseason, I feel like this team is a legitimate uh, title contender. And if you had Colin Sexton right now, I believe that they would be an Eastern Conference contender. I believe that they would be up there and they would probably be a top three team in the East. And I do not hesitate to say that same with Ricky Rubio. If things had worked out with him, if the injury never happened, if they didn't have to rely on him so much after Sexton went down, he probably wouldn't have gotten injured, but we know how that went. And so if those two guys never went down. We are probably looking at a true title contender this year. And nobody expected that. Not even me. I picked them to win 40 games on the dot and they have, and they probably will. They're going to surpass that. I believe that uh, my last prediction for them was something like, uh, I want to say, 50 and 32. I think that was my prediction. But, you know, obviously injuries happened, COVID's happened, scheduling happened. The scheduling gods did no favors (laughs) for Cleveland this year, especially to begin the season. And it's it's a wonder that they managed to navigate that stretch of games that they did to open the year. But there's just there's so many positives surrounding the game. I, I I choose to look at this as a learning experience every single night for these guys. Um, you, you're getting meaningful basketball for for Evan Mobley. You're getting meaningful basketball for a lot of guys out there who have never been in this position. This is good for development. These losses are also good. It it shows guys areas of growth. It shows guys where they can really develop at. For Whether it be a guy like Isaac Okoro who needs to work on converting on his triples when he has open attempts because he had some of those tonight and they didn't fall, unfortunately. Whether it be for Darius Garland and trying to draw contact, he saw that he could do that. And I hope that that, <laughs> yes, those Warriors games, brutal. They just didn't seem to be um, up to the moment. And I even the veteran in Kevin Love seemed like, he was a little bit too gassed up for that one, and it, it showed. Um, I feel like those games, if you have a healthy Colin Sexton out there, I believe that you get a different result. And you, yes, yeah, you you know how I feel about that, Doctor Claw. It's just for me. I know I'm, I'm rambling a bit here, but it's just. Just too many positive this seasons for me to look at these wins and be super down about them just because they've they've done so much. They've exceeded my expectations. Um, negatives. We can't talk negatives. I, I think a lot of people think that I'm adverse to negatives and I just don't want to bring them up. No, there's some. <laughs> uh, the negatives from tonight, obviously, Darius Garland with the turnovers. I felt like he tried to do Way too much, just way too much. He tried to do extremely too much. He force-fed the ball at a few occasions. He had some very odd passes. He did finish the game with 10 assists, but I feel like a lot of those turnovers could have been avoided if he wasn't so, like, he looked legitimately like he had a bit of tunnel vision tonight. And that may have been due to the fact that Miami played him very well. I mean, I literally watched, yeah, defense, and turnovers for him. DG was uh, one play in particular sticks out to me, (laughs) Uh, especially in the closing stretches of the game. I believe it was like the fourth or at the four or five minute mark, uh, Miami, Jimmy Butler literally backed Darius Garland down (laughs) and shot right over. It it was bad. It was bad. And some of that is inherently due to the fact that Darius Garland is limited somewhat to, to his size, you cannot necessarily ask a guy like Darius Garland to go out there and d up on a Jimmy Butler. <laughs> it's just not going to happen. That's why you have Isaac Okoro out there. That's why you have Dean Wade out there, so that you know they can do their jobs. But you cannot expect uh, you know everybody to be perfect on a night to night basis. So the defense and the turnovers uh, for Darius Garland were were pretty big. You know, in losing that game, I, I gotta say. Um, Lowry Marketing, just not consistent enough in certain areas defensively. Um, on a night to night basis overall, I feel like he does move around enough out there. He does provide enough in terms of movement, lateral movement at three, that's that's just tough, man. Um it, it just—it it is honestly tough to ask him to cover so much ground when you, you're literally trotting out a seven foot out there. And I—I be, I believe they still started him at small four tonight. I could be incorrect. They could have put Dean Wade there, but you're asking a lot out of him. The—the the reason to me why they were so successful in this season using a such unconventional uh, lineup is because it's strictly—it's personnel based. Each one of those guys in the lineup provided something that uh, that helped one another out. And when I'm talking about the lineup, I'm mainly referring to the three bigs when you're talking about Evan Mobley, Larry Markkinen, and Jared Allen. So if you have to no know Jared Allen out there, you really don't really have an interior defensive presence. Evan Mobley can do that. He has been a rim deterrent. He deflects a lot of shots. He knows how to use his verticality very well. But it's not the same type of defensive presence and rim protector out there that Jared Allen is. Evan Mobley, it, for me, it's the fact that he can—he's very switchable from a defensive standpoint. He can go out there and guard some some of the uh, some of the guards out there. He can guard wings. He can guard bigs. He really, to me, in short spurts, you could see this guy mm-hmm. D up one through five. You could see that. And there, that's part of the reason why a lot of people are considering him to be to get some, you know, all defensive team consideration in his rookie year, which is awesome in itself. And then you look at Larry Markkinen, who is kind of like the glue guy of that bunch because he can patch up some of the holes. He's a great first line of defense. Yes, yes, he can guard guards. <laughs> uh, Evan Mobley, you know, I do, while I would not like to see him do that. More often than not, he can do it. There's been enough occasions when we've seen he's been able to go out there and limit guys. I don't want to see it all the time, though. (laughs) Uh, That said, um, like I was saying, each one of those guys provides a different element, and it's so personnel-based. That's why it works. That's why other teams don't opt to do this. This is not conventional because they don't have the personnel to do it. Cleveland was lucky in the fact that they had the guys to make it happen. And so they've had to kind of fit pieces here, fit pieces there around them, whether it be, um, well, you know, Darius Carlton is locked in there, but it's mainly been the two guard that Cleveland has constantly had to kind of toy with, whether you had Colin Sexton being there, then you slot in Ricky Rubio, they tried out Jetty. You've seen a a, a lot of different things, and now you got Caris LeVert in the fold. So there's just... And, and Lamar, there was points in this season in which Lamar, out of necessity, started at the two guard because uh, of all the injuries and COVID and whatnot. So there's just – it's been patchwork. That That is a good way to sum up the Cavaliers' starting lineup this entire season, patchwork. <laughs> I think I'm going to use that word uh, from now on when I'm describing their season in regards to their lineup. Uh but all in all, a a a tough, hard fought game tonight, although it ended in a loss. I, I did at points feel like they had an opportunity to win the game, but it just didn't end up that way. And you're gonna have nights like these, especially going up against a team like the Miami Heat, who who can really just counter everything that Cleveland does. Um in regards to their unique capabilities. You have a guy like Bam Adebayo, who, much like uh, Evan Mobley, can space the floor, can play in the paint. Uh, Jimmy Butler, we know he's one of the better two-way players in the game. P.J. Tucker, we know what he brings to the table. Kyle Lowry can score two, three points and, free, and, and still be very impactful. He had 10 assists tonight, three points. <laughs> uh, and Then you look at the Miami, uh, the Miami Heat bench. They have Tyler Harrell, like I said earlier, guy. (laughs) Yes. So I'm not going to lie. I would love to see these teams meet in the playoffs. Um, I think it would be much different uh, just because I feel like Jared Allen may be back and I feel like we're going to have Karis LeBert in the fold. So uh, those teams, I feel like that would be a seven game series Uh, right now. It's 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 tough, man. If I'm gonna if I would give a prediction on that, you know, I would have to be a homer, total homer, and pick the Cavs in seven games. But this is one that could re- at full strength really could go either way. And that's you know if you're if you're really talking about serious full strength, like Darius, Colin, uh, we know Rubio is no longer on the team, but Darius, Colin, Karis, Bacour, all of them guys. If you have all of them in the fold, I feel like this is a very winnable playoff series for them. But as I said before, before I head out of here, this is a season in which Cavaliers have exceeded expectations. So whatever thing else happens, as long as the Cavs can tread water and just stay ahead of Toronto, like do not let Toronto jump ahead. Don't get in the play-in. I'm good. Uh, that, that, that's that's about all I have to say on that. It's just it's not too much. Not too much to ask, I feel like. They they have what is needed from a talent standpoint to tread water and, and get there. Uh, will they do it? I don't know. I am not a fortune teller, but I, I seriously hope so. I do believe in this team. I feel like they can win some games down the stretch, and as long as they can avoid that play-in, it'd be great because you'll get Jared back, hopefully. You'll get Karis back. I mean, I've I've kind of let the ship sailed on Colin coming back, but that would be awesome, too. And then you get some playoff experience for this team. Whether or not they get swept, whether or not they lose in the first round, they make it to the second round, that is not as important to me as getting these guys some playoff experience, getting some of these guys who've never experienced that atmosphere and getting them in there. And you just know with the kind of workers that they have. You know Isaac Okoro is going to work his ass off in the offseason to improve and get better. You know that if they retain Colin Sexton, which I think they will, that he is going to continue to work his ass off. and and prove a lot of people wrong. So to me, like the number one goal for this season uh, to to close out the year is getting some playoff experience. Um, If they manage to go any further than that, any further than the first round, it's all gravy to me. Uh, Just, not too much else to say uh, Before I head out of here I do want to let you guys know uh, We are kind of getting close here In regards to the 300 subscriber mark I believe we are at 278 The last time I checked When we do get to that 300 mark I will go ahead and send out That all-star edition Darius Carlin jersey Um i'll probably just select the well obviously i'm going to select the window at random but i think me and Corey are going to deliberate on how we do that <laughs> we may have that broadcast live on the show i think that would be a fun little thing also if you want to be a part of the exclusive it's cavalier discord chat you know what to do rate review on whatever platform you're listening to this on whether it be youtube apple Podcasts, spotify whatever Just leave a rating, leave a review and send proof via screenshot to itscavalier53 at gmail.com. That said, go Cavs and have a good night.